0: Next, on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.
1: Quote the Sermon on the Mount till you're blue in the face. It won't save you. You can't get saved without the cross. Somebody must die. Somebody must bleed. You won't get to heaven cheaply. It costs you nothing. It costs Him everything. Just because it's free to you, don't think it's free.
0: Hi there, and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. As we bring our week to a close, we find ourselves back here in the book of John. We would invite you to join us today here in chapter 12, Jesus facing the shadow of the cross. We'll be focusing on verses 20 through 36 as we take a look at the Gentiles looking to speak with Jesus, and what that means, the significance of it all, as Jesus faces the cross. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
1: Now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I'm reading from John 12, beginning at verse 20. 22. Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? It's better a decorative statement. Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by heard it, were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I... If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. The crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer, The light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. Jesus now is closing his public ministry. He'll do final words at the end of this chapter to tell you why men would rather go to hell than believe in him. It's a sad ending to the public ministry of Christ. Instead of thousands flocking to him, thousands went away from him, and only a few would remain. How can the Son of God be such a flop? Well, we'll look at that next week and see why the results seem to be minimal. But as Christ enters into now the shadows of the cross, there's three things I want us to look at. Number one, the time for the sacrifice has come. The time for the sacrifice has come. Number two, his sorrows will begin in a way that he has not experienced except at the grave of Lazarus uh, when he felt grief for his friend's death. And then finally, we will see three things that he plans to subdue in his death, and we will briefly look at that. I, I think of Christ coming into these shadows and in these uh, dark moments, and uh, I thought of Winston Churchill when uh, Hitler was bombing London day and night, and historic landmarks were going up in flames, and... The uh, English people were living in bunkers, basements, subways. We used to have a woman named Bobby Hawk that attended this church years ago who lived through those horrendous days and used to tell us what it was like, life in the subways. But the little British bulldog went to the air. And this is a speech he made during those days. And he said this, Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be free and life of the world may move forward into broad, sunlit uplands. But if we fell, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science, science that can make bombs to eliminate the race. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth lasts For a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. Sometimes the finest hour we ever serve is when the sorrows of life, the shadows of death, and the pain of warfare come upon us. When we are going through something, Spurgeon himself said, he went through great seasons of depression every time just before God was raising the curtain on a new aspect of his life and ministry. So we see the Son of God. He says, my hour has come. All the way through this gospel, he said, my hour hasn't come. My hour hasn't come. And now that hour that encompasses Gethsemane, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that whole period of history says, now, I'm entering into that period. It it is taking place. And so he begins to tell them why the hour. And the reason for the hour, verse 23, is that I might be glorified. Now, that seems strange. When you tell me I'm going to be glorified, I think I'm going to get a bonus. I want to get a new title. I want to get a promotion. That's glorification for me. But throughout John's gospel, The glory of Christ begins at the cross. And this word will be used of the cross. It will be used of his resurrection. It will be used of his exaltation. But he's saying, I'm now going to fulfill what I came to do. The glory of God and the honor of the Son will begin at the cross. Did you know? You would never be saved by any of the sermons of Jesus. Believe them all. They won't save you if there's no cross. Quote the sermon on the mount till you're blue in the face. It won't save you. You can't get saved without the cross. Somebody must die. Somebody must bleed. You won't get to heaven cheaply. It costs you nothing. It costs him everything. Just because it's free to you, don't think it's free. And so he says, my hour has come. The hour my Father will choose to glorify me. And then he gives an illustration of what this is about. That we must die to live. We must die to have a crop. We must die to have any effect. And then he applies it to us. Let's see the illustration. He says... Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. We we all understand that, don't we? The seed in the bag never produces a crop. You can keep the seed in the bag until it wilts, until the seed is no good. The seed must be sown. But wait, that's easy for me to say because I'm not a seed. For a seed to be sown, I put it down usually at least 18 inches probably, maybe a foot. That's why they plow so much. I'll be buried with weight a thousand times more than the wheat weighs or the kernel of corn. I've got to be buried I've got to germinate. I've got to come to the end of myself. They have found kernels of corn that were buried with the Pharaohs in the pyramids, believed to be there 2,500 to 3,000 years. They took the kernels, planted them, watered them, and guess what? They germinated and they bore fruit. Two things in the chapter If you keep them in their container, will never have an impact. You never can spread the aroma of how wonderful Christ is keeping all your ointment in your bottle. Keep it all locked up. Keep a lid on it. Don't ever be broken. We used to sing a Keith, not a Keith Green, but a Steve Green song, Broken and Poured Out. You can have no fragrance for Christ until you're broken, until you're poured out. If you're in your container of your own little empire, you will die, but you'll have no fruit. Jesus says, men, I'm just a kernel of wheat to be buried. I know I must die to get the crop that I want, for I want a multitude of sinners to join me in heaven. And the hour I'm in into, says the kernel must be buried. It must die. Then he says something radical. He applies this teaching to his disciples. Look what he says. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Wow, what's he saying? If you love your life so much, you're not willing to die to yourself and die for the cause of Christ. He says you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. You can get all your selfish ambitions met. You can live for yourself. You can do everything for you. He I am not expendable. I will not be spent. I will not die to my ambition, to what I am. He's not talking about cutting your wrist. He's not talking about suicidal thoughts. It's a metaphorical comparison, love-hate. Jesus said one time, unless you hate mother and father and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Well, it was a comparative love-hate. For it's the same God who said you must honor mother and father. But he says, you must so love me in a category that's so far beyond all human categories that it's likened to love hate. Uh, Paul told Timothy in the last days men would love money, love pleasure, and love themselves. The great competitors to loving God. I've got time for money, I've got time for myself, I've got time for pleasure, I just don't have any time for Jesus. I'm not willing to die. I'm living for me, my I. Jesus said, unless you're willing to die to your own interests and become willing to divest yourself and die for the sake of Christ. By the way, every man in this room but one died for the sake of Christ. Judas died, committed suicide because he sold out Christ. John, the writer of this book, died of old age, but they tried to boil him alive on the Isle of Patmos, but the oil refused to boil. That's what church tradition says. But everyone in this room is going to die. You're going to die. The issue will be, did you die for yourself in the bag or did you die in the soil? What is this death? How will it look? Notice the application. If anyone serves me... He must follow me. Follow me what? In doing the Sermon on the Mount? Follow me to the cross. Follow me in the willingness to lay down his life. Follow me as the example that we're not living for this world, but we're living for another world. And where I am, there my servant will be also. A good way to find Jesus is find some people serving Jesus. Wherever the service going on for Jesus, Jesus is there. Where he's not being served, he's not present. He's not being adored. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. That is astounding to me, that the Father will honor anybody that's willing to be poured out, to be the seed, just like their Savior, willing to follow him. Where? Where? Follow him to get rich. Follow him to be popular. Follow, follow him and willing to give up himself for a greater crop. A greater crop. The souls of men. So, he says, the time for the seed to die has come. Now, he says a second thing. The time... For my sorrow, intense sorrow, has begun. And so he starts sharing the agony he's feeling. That the cross was not without agony to him. It was not, as we would say, a cakewalk. Uh, God did not give Jesus ether in his last days so he wouldn't feel it. Oh, no. He's totally aware a thousand times more than you and I. And he says, now my soul has become trouble, And what shall I say? And this, the NIV did not do right, nor the New American here. It ought to be a straight line, not a question. Father, save me from this hour. I'm troubled. I don't know what to say, but save me from this hour. You see, in the book of John, he never mentions Gethsemane. He never mentions Mark 14. He never mentions the wrestling in Luke. He never mentions Matthew's account. All three of the synoptics say he agonized in the garden. And in the garden, he said, I want this cup and this hour to pass from me. Take it away from me. He didn't say that for theatrics. His humanity was seeing the cross, not only the spikes, not only the crown of thorns, but the abandonment of God when God deals with your sin. He said, I am going in great agitation and trouble in my soul. The cross will break my heart. It's not the physical execution alone. Could you imagine being a soldier fighting World War II? I can't imagine Just before you hit the beaches of Normandy, you got a letter from your wife that says, I'm filing for divorce, for I'm going to marry your best friend. Christ is not only facing the bullets of hell. He will face the broken fellowship with the Father. And already the shadows of the cross are falling over his humanity. And he's in great agitation. He's in great turmoil. The word means uh, convulsant shock of spirit. I, I am in shock of what I'm beginning to feel. The rejection, the trials are ahead of me. The cross is ahead of me. I know for the seed to die, it is causing me great agony of soul. And he said, save me from this hour. And he catches himself. But this is the very hour for which you sent me. My humanity wants to get out of it. Who wouldn't? But this is what you ordained. And so like in the garden, Father, I don't want to drink the cup. I don't like your will right now. My humanity is revulsed by it. Nevertheless, 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 thy will be done. I will drink it. And he did drink it. Morris said it was the combination of the horror of death and the ardor of obedience that are fused together. I am in agony at what's in the cup, but I am determined to obey God no matter what's in the cup. I love what Spurgeon said, though it's a painful statement. He said, if I had not known that the cup of afflictions for which I was told to drink did not come from nail-pierced hands, I could barely drink from the cup. Who fills your cup with your sorrows, believer? Who brings the disappointments, the pains, the sorrows, the aches in our lives? Even in the will of God, you can have great sorrows. Great pain. When I, I used to love to read Adoniram, Jetson, and Taylor. But I must say, when I first started reading those biographies, I was depressed at all the women that were buried and all the children that were buried before you had 10 converts. And I thought, God, does my wife have to die to have an impact? Do I have to bury a couple of children to be used of you? That seems, couldn't you have exempted these men? David Livingston, 29 attacks of African fever, which was malaria. Twice was he attacked by lions. His left arm was forever shattered. Come on, how about some immunity, God? I'm doing your will. The will of God must never have any sorrow. Are you kidding? Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. For this whole, whole thing called Christianity was built upon a bloody man, upon a tree outside of Jerusalem. Who in the world are the disciples to say, I don't want any? He said, if I suffered, you would suffer. But if you don't, you'll die in your bag full of seed, and you'll have no crop. Stay self-contained. Stay in the jar of perfume, and it will never change the atmosphere some of you are a bunch of self-protected containers afraid to be broken and poured out and our generation is sick of the church that has lost its aroma
0: in john chapter 20 verses 30 and 31 he writes therefore many other signs jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book But these, he says, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And at the end of the day, that's what our series through the book of John is all about, that you would believe that you would have life in his name. You have questions? We might have some answers. If not, we definitely have access to the one who does through prayer. We'd love to hear from you, please. Feel free to get in touch with us. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, maybe you'd like to listen to today's program again or obtain the entire series. Well, feel free to get a hold of us at 855-833-9864. Again, that's a toll-free call, 855-833-9864. Otherwise, you can visit our website, valleybible.org. We have resource materials available there, books, as well as information about who we are and what we believe. If you'd like to join us for worship at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our service time and location and directions can all be found, again, at valleybible.org, or if you wish to speak with someone, again, call 855-833-9864. Now, if you are writing to us, especially if you are planning to be a TFT sustainer, supporting the ministry financially as you're being blessed day by day here from Truth For Today, well, you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Now, as a TFT sustainer, we'd like to remind you that no gift is too small, no gift is too large. And as you partner with us, please remember that your tax-deductible donation all goes back into the ministry, 100%. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, our annual special gift, and access to take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. Plus, also the benefit of knowing that this ministry will continue here on KFAX Monday through Friday as well as Sunday. So contact us today, 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.